It takes more than great dynamic programming skills to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 99. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. We'd like to thank our patrons. Yeah, we totally would. Thank you to Dustin Coates and Sean Clayton. Uh, and thank you to everyone else who's supporting us. If you go to patreon.com slash softskillseng, you can see our Patreon. You can support us. You can get our eternal gratitude and fund the the ball pit. You can fund the uh, just the equipment and, and hosting all the other costs that go with this podcast. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's episode 99. That means we have to do our big celebration, right? Isn't that when people traditionally <laughs> if we, do things? <laughs> only if we started with episode zero, which we failed to do. Oh, man. Otherwise, Critical this mistake. would be our 100th. Too bad. That was a mistake. What languages? There's dude, zero or one-based indexing. Is Pascal there a... and basic, if I recall correctly. Yeah, okay. Well, we're all about both of those languages oh, yeah. on this show. <laughs> I'm all about the Turbo Pascal yeah the <laughs> uh, i literally shipped commercial product in delphi i don't know if you knew that about me i did not know that nor have i ever seen or typed a line of delphi it's just pascal with like a visual ui on it oh well i'm gonna go switch to it then you know what else you made it, it sounds so appealing <laughs> you know what else it is it's a, a hard skill that's true we out should of, do other things out of bounds <laughs> Yeah, so this is the podcast where we answer all of your non-technical questions about technical fields like software. And we have a question here. Which I, I would love for you to read it. Okay, this is from an anonymous listener. Do you have any recommendations for maintaining physical health in a software developer role? For example, strategies to maintain good posture, reduce eye strain, etc. I was actually kind of hoping this would say emotional health so we could take jabs at programming languages we don't like. <laughs> we can always take jabs at programming <laughs> languages we don't like there aren't any though i like them all that's right i've never met a language i didn't love <laughs> i'm trying to think if there was one i really just hated uh, i hated java because i didn't like the classes i had to do in java like the school <laughs> classes not the java classes yeah but that's funny i haven't written enough java in real life to actually have a real opinion on it you've probably it's never fine. written any enterprise java is my Heck guess no. I have not. That's pretty intense. The Java I write is hacker Java. That's right. It's lean. Leet Java. Yeah. It's all in one file, one class, <laughs> one function. I mean method. Excuse That's me. That's right. You mean method. One yeah. public static method. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I feel very emotionally healthy because of that. That's great. my strategy for that. Good for you. Uh, physical health. So there's there's the... There's like an arms race in in ever more physically taxing desks, right? You have your sitting desk, your average, <laughs> yes. just soon to be dead developer <laughs> like me, cruising close to heart attacks. Um, the standing desk is a little bit less comfortable, which means it's healthier. There's the treadmill desk, which is even less comfortable, but yet healthier. So I feel like there needs to be like the CrossFit desk where it's just like strapped to you while you <laughs> you lift it <laughs> do like a thousand burpees or <laughs> it's like made of it's the desk made of kettlebells yeah <laughs> you have to hold them in the air while typing <laughs> you throw a kettlebell up in the air hurry up and pick up your computer type two characters drop it grab Catch. the kettlebell <laughs> on its way down you better grab it <laughs> 
Or you're going to lose more than your commit history. <laughs> All right. If anyone takes our idea, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be on the phone with some Sandhill venture capital firms right now. The American Ninja Warrior desk. You have to like <laughs> do those courses. <laughs> At each course, there's like a little terminal you can type into. Yeah. Yeah. On those platforms in between the, yes. the axes that fly back and forth across the flaming lava pit. <laughs> oh man this is such a good idea (laughs) do you have good posture or do you feel like you do no i i don't know if i feel like i do but i'm pretty sure i don't (laughs) (laughs) i have a terrible posture i slouch a lot i kind of lean forward shoulders hunched forward yeah i do too in fact my neck is like permanently my head does not sit above my center of mass forward head travel there's a name for it oh my gosh that's me fht you can can google you can look for videos on youtube claiming to fix it i see pictures of myself in profile sometimes and i'm like whoa my head is like over my front of my toes oh man i saw a picture of myself at like a conference or something Mm -hmm. and that was my first realization that i had really bad posture (laughs) (laughs) just just talking about this right now i'm like sitting up and pushing my head back over my shoulder me too (laughs) me too let's just talk about this all the time and never talk about anything else (laughs) problem solved well this is one good point which is being aware that this is a thing is helpful i remember back in the day in my 20s so long ago a few months ago that yeah people that talked about health at work were just big weaklings just <laughs> just losers oh what you never thought life that. decisions could they have made to have bad posture and yeah rsi and hand pain and eye pain and i'll never make those bad decisions that's right and yet but it turns out the bad decision <laughs> is just like being a developer <laughs> i had already made yeah. the bad decision <laughs> you just didn't get your uh, payout yet yeah it just hadn't caught up to me yet so kudos to you for being aware this is a thing i think for like 80 percent of americans who work in offices the choice is uh being an american who works in an office yeah you know it's like so yeah. many so many people in this modern industry sit at a desk and stare at a screen all day so I am certainly just a mere space doctor, not a real doctor. Well, <laughs> it's higher than a real doctor, but like the licenses don't apply. And yeah, and we can't be concerned with things like posture. And yeah, know. we're more concerned with metaphysical uh, consciousness. <laughs> it's like planetary and, orbital health. Yeah, yeah, we'll align your orbits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but from the little bit of research I've done, it feels like the advice around this from medical professionals is either frustratingly generic or frustratingly uh well are you gonna say wrong (laughs) no not wrong it's just it's just like eat your vegetables but for your posture like take breaks try to sit up straight exercise but i I did all that and my back still hurts yeah what i want is like a detailed like a like an MRI of my spine and then like someone pointing out this angle is wrong here and and twist your wrist to the left four times at this time every hour to fix it and I don't know. It feels like the advice is just like be healthy in general. Yeah. You should exercise more and sleep more. Yeah. And then and, your and also the, be better. The range of symptoms is so wide. I mean there's there's mm-hmm. like carpal tunnel or just general hand or wrist pain or forearm pain 
or back pain or neck pain or posture problems. Uh, Fing- fingernail this. sensitivity. Fingernail sensitivity. I think one of the symptoms is putting all of your code in one public static method. <laughs> yeah, because it's you have post- to like... It's a posture yeah, problem at the root yeah, of it. Yeah, it's a scrolling problem. You know what? I slouch to get closer to the metal. The metal is my <laughs> laptop, which I'm trying to get my brain closer to. <laughs> it is made of aluminum. <laughs> yeah, so it's all working out. Uh, I'm reading this list of symptoms, and the one I like the best is a feeling like there's a line of fire running down your arms. <laughs> and I think that fire is just the code leaving your brain coming out to your fingers. <laughs> Clearly not Java then. <laughs> <laughs> It could be. Java is hot. This burns like enterprise Java. (laughs) Do you ever like, do you ever accidentally like melt the keyboard? That one feels like a container. (laughs) Not yet. It's like, oh, the fire coming out of my fingers is just burning up my keyboard. Sometimes my fans turn on, you know, you ever have that? Yeah, those are usually when I'm watching YouTube videos. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually when I fill my screen with 14 different rick astley never going to give you up so all playing at the same time just to relax a little bit so do you have any any kind of developer health pain and what have you done to try and address it do you feel like you've done anything yeah. that helps a couple of years ago i started getting some pretty intense hand pain in my palms uh mostly and um not in my palms kind of the concave area in the center of your hand and it was so bad that it would actually wake me up at night because of the oh, pain man. yeah it was and it actually more than the pain it was just scary because I was like, oh, man, am I never going to be able to type again? Yeah. You know, I felt like a figure skater who had just twisted their ankle, you know? Yeah. Except a thousand times less graceful. graceful. <laughs> <laughs> no Olympic medals and no fans. Hey, not all figure skaters have Olympic medals. That's true. That's true. Anyway, so... Uh, You're just like them. I am. <laughs> I'm just like those <laughs> Olympic figure skaters. <laughs> the ones that don't have medals. We're the same. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I got a new keyboard and the pain went away, but the keyboard made me go about 80% slower. So I never figured out if it was the keyboard or just slowing down, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I've heard keyboards can help for hand pain. I've heard people switch key layouts so they go to Dvorak or if Dvorak is too mainstream, they go to Colmac or if Colmac is too mainstream. <laughs> They go to a mountain, listen to the wind, <laughs> and then use that as inspiration for their own custom layout. <laughs> I, I've I've heard people that switch to it out of pain. I've heard more people that just do it because they like it. Because it's cool. It can apparently help some people. I have some pain like right between my shoulder blades, right where my neck, and nothing has helped that besides taking breaks. Mm which is frustrating because I've spent a bunch of money on stuff that is supposed to help it. (laughs) But I think the key is just like get up and do something besides hunching over close to the metal. That's that's (laughs) helped a little bit. It's the metal. The metal is causing your back pain. Oh my goodness. You're too close to the metal. tonight. You need to work in higher level programming languages that aren't so close to the metal. I'll do it. I guess there's also other non- while you're sitting at your desk stuff, like just exercise in general. I don't mm-hmm. know. I exercise a lot and I still have bad posture and, <laughs> and horrible like work-related back pain. And you do the kind of exercise that requires very rigorous attention to good posture during the exercise. Yeah. Dur- so maybe that's why I use up all of my form during squats and then the rest of the day. 
You're just hunched over a laptop. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a drained battery. (laughs) Maybe you should stop. Maybe the key is exercise exercise less. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's it. Give it a shot anyway. I'll try it. I think what will happen is you'll develop a nice pot belly that will force your body away from the keyboard a little. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, I could do that and exercise at the same time. It just means I get to eat a lot more fun foods. Yep. Okay, I think we solved the problem. <laughs> there is, I want to mention this really quick. There have been some studies about the health risks of sitting long term, mm-hmm. and I don't have them in front of me, but I'll put them in the show notes with the magic of editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they show that sitting is just bad for you. Just sitting for a long time is bad for you. That kind mm-hmm. of led to the rise of standing desks. I think there's also been some studies that show that standing desks are not necessarily better for you health-wise. Yeah. That just standing versus sitting doesn't have a huge amount of health benefits. Um, that that research was sponsored by the sitting desk companies. Yeah. It, that's big chair out to get you. <laughs> <laughs> there ha- and, and then I know treadmill desks are a thing. I would not be able to type on a treadmill desk though. But yeah. apparently those might be healthy because you're actually moving. I want to get, you know, those like big circular things you, you stand inside and it's like three concentric rings and your arms are strapped upward and your feet are strapped to the bottom and you start spinning around. Oh yeah. The torture devices. (laughs) No, no, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, yeah. Like the things is space camp. Yeah. That's exactly it. We should make a desk out of one of those. Okay. (laughs) You pull out your phone to check Twitter and it goes flying through the air away from you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, good. And it'll you improve your productivity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I like that idea. That's the real solution. <laughs> I think the bottom line here is that almost every developer I know who's been at a sitting desk or not even sitting, just who's been a developer or someone sitting in front of a keyboard for the last 10 years or so, they all have some kind of repetitive stress injury, right? But we don't really talk about it very often. Yeah. I have hand pain shame. (laughs) I have forward head travel shame. (laughs) I'm sure there's a solution. I don't know what it is yet, but it probably involves taking regular breaks. That's my space doctor advice. Probably involves throwing all of our laptops out the window and going outside forever. Yeah. Yeah. Some variation of that. All right, do, I, the, by the way, I do oh. think laptops are particularly bad. That's when I developed my first real acute hand pain was I spent way too much time programming on oh. my laptop. Like the, the positioning just feels so unnatural. I mean, you're hung, you're pushing your hands down onto this keyboard right in front of you. You're staring down at your hands the whole time. Oh, yeah. so bad, right? Yeah, I've definitely heard that. I don't really work regularly on a laptop, so maybe it'd be even worse. Yeah, I think when I do work on a laptop, it actually helps my back pain because it's probably like, oh, good, another thing to ruin. We'll leave, we'll leave <laughs> that back pain thing while we work on this other thing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we don't have any answers. Yep. But we all suffer but from it. Tell us your advice if you have some. There's a startup. Op- <laughs> there's a startup opportunity here for sure somewhere. I'm sure there are. All right. Should we answer the next question? Yeah. I'll read this one. If you'll allow it. Please read it. This comes from a listener named Noah who writes, is the practice of asking interviewing developers to regurgitate 20-year-old algorithms on a whiteboard a recent trend or is this something new? I haven't had to work through algorithmic problem solving since college. That's what well-established libraries are for. As someone in his 30s, one of my concerns is that if I ever left my current job, I would have to spend two months programming 
sorry, two months cramming through every leak code exercise known to humanity to get rehired. Is this practice only reserved for junior developers trying to get a first job? Or is this prevalent in the industry for all levels? Can you both make sense of this madness? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on here. I think the main thing I sense is a general frustration with what Noah sees as interviews that do not match the work. Yep. Where they're asked to do the kinds of things on whiteboards that they don't normally do at work. And I think that's that part is pretty common. There's It's not every mm-hmm. place, but a lot of places interview you with some kind of artificial example, often on a whiteboard. Yep. I think, like I've said a lot of times before, I think interviews in general are really bad <laughs> at evaluating technical skill. I don't know that the idea of a whiteboard is any worse than a lot of other things I've seen, but the the specific thing of like solve this algorithmic problem in front of people on the whiteboard, mm-hmm. it's both pretty common and has some pretty apparent downsides. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that algorithmic problem solving in general is a thing that you never need to know about. That's a, That comes up, I feel like, pretty often in my job. So what? how do you but define algorithmic problem solving? probably different than Noah. That's probably <laughs> the, <laughs> the the reason why we disagree. What I imagine is Noah is is talking about like quicksort or something. Like there's some yeah. algorithm, there's some gotcha problem that if you know this algorithm, you can solve it really well on the whiteboard with. And that doesn't come up, but just like I have a solution. How do I design an algorithm to solve it? That's the bread and butter of programming, I feel like. Yeah, like general making. I mean, anytime you write code, you're effectively creating an algorithm now it's very yeah. rare that you're actually like implementing someone else's algorithm right yeah yeah and it's often not i mean sometimes the algorithm is like if this thing is true do this other thing so right <laughs> it, it's it's not quite as involved but i don't even know what i'm trying I, I think to say. You're, <laughs> i think you're saying that <laughs> there are algorithms and then there are algorithms like this one's not going to make yeah, it yeah, into there, your algorithms like textbook capital w whiteboard algorithms you know and those I feel like I basically never use. Yeah. Yeah. But I also don't even see those that much. Well, you don't. Interviews. It's not that you never use them. It's that you never write them. Yeah, that's true. I right? use like them we, all the time. In fact, we recently saw a tweet from someone I think you wanted to share that made out a, made a really good point about that. Yeah. So this will get into a topic we want to talk about. Um, this is from a guy named Sunil Pai, who is super smart. And we were just talking on Twitter about algorithms and engineering interviews and the dom came up the the kind of browser document object model and uh he mentioned that the dom is a tree it's a tree of nodes and it even has linked lists at the like at each level of the tree to get to sibling nodes so um these subjects come up even if you're often i hear people say like i'm a ui developer why do i need to know how to reverse a linked list and they still touch all kinds of programming work, even if you're not. And there's always this idea of like the hardcore operating system hackers. And those people really need to know this stuff, but maybe for just general business programming, you don't. And I think it can benefit you at, at any job and any kind of programming. So no asks specifically, is this only reserved for junior developers? Nope. Nope. Happens to everybody. Yep. Happened to me in my last round of interviews at a couple of places. Yep. Me too. Some of them I did okay. Some of them I did not do okay. The ones I didn't do okay at, I don't work there. And like, that's <laughs> fine. I don't know. There are interview processes out there that I cannot pass and I just won't get those jobs. And that's true. That's okay. 
there are other jobs right now. <laughs> that, is a, uh, that is a very healthy way to look at it. Thank you. As we saw in our last question, I'm very healthy. That's <laughs> Although I'll tell you what, inter over, interviewing at a wisdom. whiteboard with a marker and stuff is probably a lot better for your posture than sitting over a keyboard. That's true. You, you it should probably be thanking also, these companies. It burns a lot of calories because you sweat outrageously. <laughs> it's thing, like a sauna. Yeah. The thing I dislike the most about these interviews isn't necessarily the questions that they ask. It's more the uh, the adversarial nature of them where it feels like there's one or sometimes multiple people sitting down, you're standing up in front of them and they're like, can you do this? I bet you can't. That's the feeling I get often when I'm doing them. They're just throwing Ugh. a problem at you, folding their arms and like leaning back and saying like, do this for me. And that's pretty much the opposite of how most engineering work happens. It's usually very collaborative. Um, people are working together on stuff. People are willing to help. And there's plenty of room for insight and ideas, but it's it's never like, prove to us you can get this done that's only in the interview let's see if this candidate can produce this algorithm i learned about last week yeah yeah so i think some of it is just the style of it yeah a little bit um and and frankly i don't looking over the last 15 years i can't remember a time when i've been asked esoteric trivia about uh algorithms um can you have you ever been i mean you, you said you've i had haven't been explicitly past, asked to like risk well i mean people have asked me like what's the big o runtime of quicksort and sure I mumble like log in. <laughs> and then that's it but i haven't been asked like write quicksort on the whiteboard i have been asked questions where there's like a sneaky right answer if i remember some algorithm but it's it hasn't ever been something crazy intense mm-hmm uh, where the expectation was I would have this memorized ahead of time. Yeah. The ones where I've probably experienced more and done the worst on were where we talked through an algorithm in person. And so the example would be like, here's how quicksort works. Please write it on the whiteboard. Oh, um, really? That's happened okay. to me a few different times. Yeah. So they basically describe the algorithm and then you have to produce yeah, code. Yeah, they describe the algorithm and, and then they're like, use, use, write it and use it to do this thing. Okay. Um, and those I've resoundingly failed. <laughs> oh, really? I, would, <laughs> never I thought you would have said they would go well. That's interesting. No, no, I, I just get too nervous and I my brain ceases to function. So you are not able to take a requirement and produce working code. That's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> this is why we run a soft skills podcast, by the way. <laughs> I can do that just fine outside of whiteboard job interviews. Okay. There have been other interviews actually where it's it hasn't even... It's just that one subset of like, here's this algorithm you have maybe heard of, but don't know off the top of your head. And and, and it mm -hmm. isn't like written out in pseudocode or anything. It's it's like described. And then it's like, use this to write, write it out and use it to solve this problem. Okay. Those ones I haven't done well on. There's been other ones where it's just like, solve this general problem. Um, and I've done better on those. Yeah, because then you can come up with like your create your own solution and talk about yeah, the trade-offs. Yeah, and it's talking through it a little bit more rather than me kind of like trying to remember what they said and not knowing if I need to put semicolons in this yeah. weird made up whiteboard <laughs> programming language that they have me doing or not. And then worrying about how screwed up your curly brace looks when you write it. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, did I forget one of the steps that they said I had to do? Or did I misunderstand one of the steps? Or I, I don't know. I, you know, it's funny you say that because it's like on the job, if someone came to you and in like three sentences described what you have to do, you'd be like, you know, why don't you go write this down in a spec? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think we would build a better product for our customers if you would actually write this down. Yeah. But 
those kinds of interviews have not happened to me very often. Yeah. So they happen, maybe they happen more in other industries or different kinds of companies, but I don't think it's, you can certainly get a job without ever doing a whiteboard interview. And you can do whiteboard interviews that are more or less hard for you to pass, depending on your personal style and skill set. Yeah. So for my last big interview, I did a bunch of study beforehand on CS concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent, I don't know, maybe 10 hours or something reading material. Wikipedia is a gold mine for this stuff. Um, Crouton science, right? What is that? That's what CS oh. stands for. <laughs> yeah theoretical crouton science of course Um, and i i I like crammed all these algorithms and different esoteric data structures like avl trees and all these things into my head and then frankly when the time came for me to do my interview i felt like it hurt me because they kept giving me like not super complicated problems and i kept reaching for these super complex computer science concepts almost because i was trying to impress them but I think mostly just because that's what was in the forefront of my mind. And so I actually think that hurt me a little bit to have just too much esoteric CS stuff going on in my mind. Yeah. I wonder if there's almost a bias towards publishing about these kinds of things because they're cool. I think they're interesting and I like reading about them. And I think that might mean that when people end up using them in work or, or personal projects or whatever, they're more likely to write up about how they had to like make an AVL tree and, mm-hmm. and, how cool it was to use then like I put everything in in a array <laughs> like I don't know so so you might see them talked about more often just because they're cool not necessarily because you'll end up having to use them yeah yeah could be so let's see if we answered Noah's question shall we yeah so is it only for junior devs no nope it's all levels can we make sense of this madness also no no <laughs> <laughs> that was easy yeah We've talked around it a little bit, but I don't feel like we've defined, it seems like this idea has come up of like stuff that is reasonable to know versus stuff that is not reasonable to know mm-hmm. and how to rebalance an AVL tree. It might be on the stuff that is not reasonable to know side of the divide off yeah. the top of your head for the average developer. Yeah. What would the other side look like? What's the stuff that an average developer should know that might come up in these kind of algorithm or data structure interviews? I think you should ha- know how to implement fixed point math on a whiteboard like definitely okay i know some of those words <laughs> so i think i'm part of the way there <laughs> next um, no i'm just i'm just i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding about that um, so from my experience having an understanding of data structures is much more valuable and also in an interview context i mean more valuable where you can say yeah. oh i would use a linked list for this or i would use a hash table for that um, yeah. That's a lot more useful than, say, like having memorized how Diffie-Hellman key exchange works or any number of other algorithms like the tortoise and hare uh, cycle finder algorithm, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I guess that makes sense because data structures are more generally applicable than algorithms. Like an algorithm is specifically designed to solve one problem, but a data structure is like a generic concept meant to to solve many problems. Yeah. So, so we should probably give like a list of the data structures we think are the most like... The, the best ones to have in your tool belt for interviews, even, yeah, though, and, even though we're encroaching on hard skills a little bit. Yeah, that's okay. Well, is it okay? I don't know. We're going to do it anyways. It's our well, podcast. We'll ask the judges later. This will be a firm skills episode. It's like soft, <laughs> a little bit hard at the same time. So you said data structures you should know 
when you talk about know them, I feel like that means a couple of things. It means like know what they know what they're called. <laughs> Maybe know a little bit about the runtime behavior mm-hmm. of them. Know a little bit about how they might be implemented. You you might not have to be able to just crank out an implementation yourself, but right. But know how they work basically. I think a basic list is, I mean, just an array, some kind of list, linked lists, uh, trees in general, some kind of map, hash, object, dictionary, whatever you want to call it, um, maybe a queue, a stack. I feel like that's kind of a baseline for what I would expect a, a reasonably experienced, reasonably knowledgeable developer to know. Mm-hmm. Yep, me too. And that's stuff that you probably use all the time. Yeah. Directly um, or indirectly. Maybe not all of it, but I think almost all of it. And like Jameson said, like you really need to understand when these things are applicable and when they're not. Like when are they a good choice and when are they not? Mostly the, from a performance perspective. That's what interviewers will often go after. Yeah. Sometimes an interview question is really just, they're, they're like waiting to hear this secret word that's going to be like Q. And then once you say Q, they're like, okay, they know, they know a little bit about this problem and and it, it's like i've seen this a couple times almost where there's a problem laid out you talk through it a little bit you you end up on some data structure to help solve it and then it almost feels less adversarial because you've proved that you know mm. what a queue is already a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. oh i guess when when i say i think someone should know these it's perfectly fine to enter the industry and write code without a detailed understanding oh, of yeah. all these things. Yeah, but I feel sure. like you should definitely work towards knowing them. And this doesn't feel like esoteric, weird, whiteboard only knowledge. Yeah. Even though some of these things you may never actually directly implement or use. Yeah. I mean, probably you'd use them a lot more than you'd implement them. But... For sure. For sure. In fact, I can't think of any time I've ever actually implemented any of these things myself for like, not outside a of school. Job. Yeah. yeah I... Not for real life. Yeah, but I use them all the time. Like I reach for them and I it's like using the right tool for the job. Like I you know, I've hammered nails in, but I've never built a hammer. Yeah. I think the only one of these that I've made from scratch in in real work is probably like a linked list or a tree. Because everything okay. else just kind of comes built into most of the languages I've used. But they're yeah. in in these ones I was working in, there wasn't a built in abstraction for linked lists or trees. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Now you are fully this is prepared. Getting rambly. You can get in there and knock that interview out of the park. Yeah, the key takeaways I think are, it's a reasonable expectation to think you, as a more senior developer, would encounter whiteboardy interview questions. You can just fail on those if you really hate those. Like that's <laughs> fine. Just don't work there. If you want to do well on them, I think it's reasonable to ask about that that stuff that we talked about just a second ago. Things beyond that, I think, indicate either some pretty deep specialization they're, ex- they're expecting out of candidates mm-hmm. that you should hopefully know of ahead of time or, or things have gone wrong, or just like kind of a weird artificial barrier in their interview process. That's more likely. Both of which happen <laughs> yeah. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We made sense of the madness. We it, solved it the is. puzzle. Yep on the whiteboard there you go <laughs> I, was, I was literally writing everything you said on my whiteboard here so i could analyze it i have a whiteboard behind me right now hang on i want to turn around and see what's on it all right there's a giant scribble from my daughter she <laughs> failed the interview there's like a truth table from when i was trying to figure out some boolean thing that i wrote Ooh. wrong five times okay 
and there's a random to-do list, which is a linked list, maybe, if I squint at it. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think I do use these things, these whiteboard interview skills. Oh yeah, on a whiteboard, no yeah. less. <laughs> All right, what should people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Go to our website at softskills.audio and click on ask a question. You can fill out as much or as little detail as you want. In fact, you can keep yourself anonymous if you prefer. And also, we'd appreciate you clicking on the support us button on that website and contribute to our running Patreon fund, which we very much appreciate. We're looking to pay some people to do some work for us uh, in the form of graphic design or audio editing. And this money that you donate will help us to achieve that. So thank you to those. You know all those sniffles that I leave in? Imagine those being gone. That's what your money could do. (laughs) That is right. So please, yes, uh, thank you to everyone who has supported us. We very much appreciate your generous generous donations. It's fantastic to see. I think with that, we're done. We'll catch you next week.